in a series we're calling Multiply. I'm uh, Scott, the lead pastor here at First Christian. I want you to turn to a couple places in your Bibles. Actually, I'll name three if you want to get them all handy. We're going to especially focus on Colossians, the first chapter. Uh, Colossians 1, 3 through 8 is where we'll be hanging out mostly today. Colossians 1, 3 through 8. We're also going to look up 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. And 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. Um, if you need a Bible or a study guide, um, we got folks here on the sides, guest services, peeps to hook you up. Again, those three places are first, uh, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 3 through 8. That's the main place we'll be. Also, we're going to refer to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9, 10 is sort of a theme verse for us during these two weeks. We're going to read that together in just a moment. And then also 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. Um, I've got somebody who needs a Bible study guide up here for the record. We are finishing up this two-week series today called Multiply. Uh, Multiply speaks to the biblical injunction, sort of the motivation, the theological basis uh, for being a church that wants to continue to multiply. Um, next week, we begin a new series for six weeks called uh, Defy, D-E-F-Y. It's going to be six weeks through the New Testament book of Matthew, and it's going to lead us through to Easter Sunday. We're going to trace the theme of um, Jesus' open resistance to the worldly structures that tempted him to go off course. Um, that wasn't just Jesus, it was some of his disciples as well, um, but we'll ma- mainly focus on tracing that theme of uh, open defiance to uh, the worldly temptations and structures, um, sort of the sideways energy to keep Jesus off course from his mission. So we're going to look at how Jesus kept laser focused on uh, the cross, and that will take us up through Easter and the resurrection. Um, we are going to have a special baptism Sunday on Easter Sunday. Um, we keep the water warm and towels ready all the time. If today's your day, come on up. Um, But we're going to put some special emphasis on it if you've been thinking about it, praying about it. We know some conversations have been happening here and there um, for a number of weeks now. So we want to offer that to you um, on Easter Sunday, uh, which is a cool day to do it. It's when I did it when I was nine. Dr. Myron J. Taylor baptized me in Southern California. Hey, uh, real quickly, last chance to sign up for our team bash that is next week on um, Sunday, February 25, I believe. Yes, 6 to 8 p.m. Um, if you serve on the team in any capacity, at any frequency, if it's once a month, you are invited. Um, if you don't yet serve in the team, um, but you like the idea of free food at a nice banquet next week, Come on, y'all, just go to the hub and say, I want to serve on the team. You may not even officially start until, you know, two months from now. That's okay. Just come be on the team and uh, consider that your invite. We have about 25 or so more spots left, um, so there's plenty of space for some more uh, folks. Lastly, we want to cover this again. We're going to continue to focus on this because this thing I'm about to mention, this next steps thing, is a major engine for our growth and vision here at First Christian Church. Um, Next Steps is all about how our seven habits, um, used to be nine, now it's seven, 
trying to make it easy. Seven habits strategy. It's all about how our seven habits strategy is designed to help you grow, to help you become who God made you to be, to give you some vision for how that works and how First Christian is designed to help you uh, sort of do that well. It's four sessions. It's on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. downstairs in the student center. You can do it at any order. You can do it over any length of time. You can start with week four and then eventually get to week two, two months later. And then one and three later. Breakfast to serve, child care provided. You will want to go to this because uh, we've got a big vision for what we want to do as a church in Greenville and Green County. And uh, next steps is where you're going to hear about it. Those four Sundays, just for the record, uh, go like this. The first Sunday will always be of every month, engage in worship, serve in the team. Second Sunday, third Sunday, fourth Sunday. We will not do fifth Sunday and we won't do December. Just so you know, um, you can come at any point to begin. This is where you'll start to learn about our vision as a church. Um, you can do that by signing up in the hub or online at uh, fccgreenville.info um, just to let us know you're coming. Alrighty, want to read before we pray and jump in together from Colossians, the first chapter, and 2 Corinthians 9. Colossians, the first chapter, and 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 10 says this in Colossians 1, 3 through 8, Paul writing, he says this, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And then Second Corinthians 9 Verse 10. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. says this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Let's pray, friends. Lord God, we pray that you would open our hearts to hear from you today. That we would follow your lead and say yes to your direction. Forgive us for how we've rebelled from your vision for our lives and determined for ourselves a mission that is less than your glory. Lord, correct us. Give us a vision for our lives that fits with your kingdom. Stretch us and shape us. And show us, Lord, today through your Spirit where you would have us continue to say yes to your work in the world. Make of us, Lord, faithful stewards of the Gospel so that we would manage what you've blessed us with well. And so that as we offer our lives as worship and sacrifice to you, you would take that offering 
and you would multiply it for the sake of your goodness and your glory being made known in the world. And Lord, that we would enjoy a satisfaction and contentment and peace and joy in seeing your kingdom extended, of, of seeing dead bones made alive through your Spirit. Give us this focus. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So in our, uh, what we call our VHQ, Volunteer Headquarters, uh, the VHQ, which is where we feed uh, all of our Sunday morning volunteers. Uh, you may not be aware, but there are dozens of people all over the building doing lots of things. Uh, we like to celebrate faithful service, as we say. We do that every Sunday. We celebrate faithful service with uh, bagels and a coffee cake um, in the VHQ. So in VHQ, there's this water pitcher uh, that says right on the top, it says, please refill after each use. It's right on the lid. You can't miss it. You can't miss it. Please refill after each use. It's not hard. We staffers, of course, throughout the week, we use this water pitcher all the time uh, to fill up, you know, water for ourselves, to fill up the water reservoir for the coffee maker in the office, that kind of thing. Often gets a lot of use. So just this morning, um, I used the water pitcher uh, to pour myself some water. And uh, I was in a hurry because, you know, I still didn't have an opening illustration for the sermon today. And so I was coming across the parking lot praying, Lord, give me something. And uh, so I poured my water and here's my illustration. So I, I get up to the water pitcher to pour it for myself, and I think to myself, uh, I got a lot to do. Uh, let me just go ahead and pour it and move on, and, 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 you know. But I thought to myself, no, Scott, your parents taught you better. <laughs> it needs to be filled for the next person. So I did the right thing. I took the extra maybe five to ten seconds required to take it over and refill the pitcher uh, and, and, and went away. Right with God and with my fellow man. <laughs> By the way, there are a few lazy people around here who think, who think that it's perfectly okay just to leave the water pitcher not fully filled. Let me just say this. We have lots of cameras all over this building. And we know who you are. People who are paid to work here. Just refill the daggone water pitcher. Now, simple question, why refill the water pitcher? Because it needs to be filled for the next person. Other people need what is in there. You see, there are many people who think they understand and know the gospel and that they know what Jesus is all about, who think it's perfectly acceptable to drink at the Jesus well and walk away without filling up the bucket for the next person who needs water. Are we preaching yet? They think someone else will do it. I've put in my time. I am just too busy. I don't want to sacrifice anymore. All they ever do is challenge me and I don't have any more margin. 
Whatever the reason, there are many who are content to take from God's goodness and his blessing and to not give. Churches are filled with people who believe it is entirely acceptable to get just what they need without giving hardly any thought to filling up again so there's something there for others when they need it. I mean, believers in Jesus who already have salvation, (laughs) believers in Jesus who already have forever relationship with God, why would we think that we don't have the responsibility to give away what we were given when we didn't deserve it in the first place? Why would we make getting water easy on us and hard on somebody else who doesn't even know to put the bucket down into the well to get water? How on earth do we get there? Why would we make it easy for those who already know and hard for those who don't even know there's water at the bottom of the well? You see, friends, the truth of the matter is that the gospel actually comes with a condition. And it's not the condition of earning it. It's the condition of giving it away. If you are not giving away the gospel, you don't understand the nature of the gift you've received in the first place. If in any sense, and in some ways, we're all guilty of this at some level, so there's a lesson for all of us here, If you follow Jesus and you're hoarding him to yourself, then there's something you misunderstand about the heart of God, which was to seek and save the lost that was once you. If we're we're going to become people and we're going to become a church that, that really is about helping people find and follow Jesus, we must understand, we need to understand that having received the gospel means taking on the responsibility to give away the gospel. I'm not just making this up. The Apostle Paul assumes this everywhere. And, and in our passage today in Colossians, he assumes the responsibility of stewarding the gospel so that it's given away in a way that fits with the way it was given to us. See, none of us sits in these seats by our own bootstraps. The gospel's given to you. It's received by you. I want us to read this whole passage in Colossians 1, uh, 3 through 8 here, um, just to get our heads around the whole thing. And then we're going to go back uh, phrase by phrase and uh, see, just in some real simple terms, just real simple lessons today. Look at this with me, Colossians 1, 3 through 8, about the stewardship of the gospel for multiplication. He says this, Paul writing, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is typical Paul. It's just going to be phrase after phrase after phrase with not much punctuation. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
When we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, verse 5, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Now jump back at verse 3. First word, we. <laughs> First word, we, verse 3. Paul and Timothy wrote this letter uh, to the Colossians, uh, which is just people who live in Colossae. Uh, and Colossae, both, both pronunciations are fine. Uh, they were writing to the church at Colossae, uh, which they didn't plant. Paul and Timothy didn't plant that church themselves, but they wanted to encourage and they wanted to teach the Colossians um, because Paul and Timothy had heard that the gospel had arrived there. And, and, and that place in Colossae was uh, sort of confused with lots of messed up philosophies in the world around them. And those worldly philosophies were sort of threatening the Christians' uh, trust in the gospel, sort of threatening their trust in the gospel. So Paul and Timothy writes to encourage them to remind them of the centrality of the gospel of Jesus. All right? the, the centrality of the idea that the good news of the arrival of the kingdom of God in Jesus brings freedom from sin, and that was now available for all if they would accept that. So there's the background. It says this, We, moving on, always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, which they probably had some time to do. Paul's writing this from prison, so he had quite a bit of time to do some praying. We always thank God when we pray for you, speaking to the Colossians, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Paul is sort of gushing with gratitude here because the gospel had arrived in Colossae and they had faith in Christ. So he says, of this, of this hope, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, notice this, verse 6, which has come to you. Now press pause for uh, just a minute. We're starting to get into uh, some of our meat for today. Uh, let me just say something obvious here. To hear something uh, assumes two things. Someone has said something. And someone is close enough for what they've said to be heard. So Paul says this, verse 5, Of this, meaning the gospel, the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. To have heard something requires someone to have said it, duh, in close proximity. Right? The gospel has come to you, Paul says. The gospel has come to you. You've heard it. Someone has said it. It's come to you. The Colossians now knew this good news of the coming of Jesus, freedom from sin, because this truth, think about this, this good news had been spoken and made present by someone. The gospel went to them. Meaning there was a time 
when it wasn't among them. Most of us don't know that world. But it's the world that's real for anyone who doesn't know the Gospel, even if the Gospel might be around them. But that's not what Paul's talking about. He's saying the Gospel came to them. It was present with them in word and in deed. And and check this out. This is happening. Uh, This is happening among them, among the Colossians. He says, just as it was everywhere. This is in keeping. What's happening to you, Colossians, is in keeping with what the Gospel's doing all over the world, he says. Look at this. The Gospel has come to you. Keep reading. The Gospel has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Think about this. We're going to simmer on this for a bit. Paul says the gospel is bearing fruit and increasing. It's bearing fruit and growing. The gospel is bearing fruit and it is increasing. Jesus told a story about a sower of seeds. And he said that the gospel, after it's planted, it comes up, it grows, and it produces a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or 100 times. That's Mark 4, 8. The early church understood. The early church understood that the gospel is meant to be spread, to be cast out. Those are seeds that are meant to be sown. It's something that's meant to be grown. And they, the early church, they sowed the seeds of the truth of the gospel. Uh, for them, for the early church, telling the story of the work of God in their life, telling the story of the gospel was a habit. And the Lord added to their number daily. Just, just read through Acts. Acts is church planting. Acts is multiplication. Acts is people who understand that the gospel is meant to be given away. Acts 6-7 says, The Word of God continued to increase. It multiplied. The Word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 1-8 says, It went from there to Judea, to all Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You see, the Gospel comes with a seed inside of it because it is meant to grow. The good news of Jesus has a seed inside of it because it is meant to grow. If we're not seeing ourselves as gardeners of the truth of Jesus for the sake of growth, there's something we are not getting about the heart of God that reached out to you when you were lost that we're not giving it away to others. The gospel is to be gardened, to be cared for, to be managed, to be stewarded so that it will grow. That's what we are. We're a place that creates gardeners of gospel. And here in Colossians, someone has been doing some gospel gardening. Because Paul says this in verse 6, the gospel has come to you as indeed it is bearing fruit and growing, and increasing. 
as it also does among you, keep reading, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. So, so where, did, where did all this come from? How did this gospel message get to the Colossians in the first place? That's an important question for us today because we've been talking about the message of the gospel, what it's for, it's for growth. But in this part here in Colossians 1, he turns from the message to the messenger and he tells us how it got there in the first place. Look at verses 6 and 7 here. Verses 6 and 7 in Colossians 1. The gospel's come to you as indeed it's bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Verse 7, just as you learned it from, in other words, the gospel was learned from a person, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. Now, we don't know a whole lot about uh, this Epaphras guy. Um, we do know that he's from Colossae. And we also know that he's responsible for planting that church in his hometown. Calls him a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, on behalf of the Colossians. They're faithful because he planted the seeds of the gospel among them and he watered it and he helped it grow, helped them understand the gospel. That's why it calls him a faithful minister of Christ on behalf of the Colossians. And he has made known to us, made known to Paul and Timothy who are writing this to the Colossians, he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So, so of course, Epaphras who planted this church at Colossae, was reporting to, to Paul and Timothy, this is how it's going. Now, I want us to move towards summarizing our key takeaway today uh, by making three simple points that are right here in the text of Colossians 1, 3 to 8 here, okay? Three simple points. Epaphras was a faithful steward of the gospel because of these three things. Number one, he went to the people. Number two, he presented the gospel, both in word and deed. And number three, he trusted that God would bring the growth. He trusted that God would multiply his efforts. You can see this in the text. Epaphras was a faithful steward of the gospel because of three things. Number one, he went to the people. Paul said the gospel came to them. This may be obvious, but it's worth saying because, duh, it's an important first step. The Great Commission has the word go at the beginning of it for a reason. Okay? It could be going to your own community. It doesn't have to be going somewhere else. It doesn't have to be going overseas. It could be, but it at least is going somewhere. It's a, it's a movement thing. So number one, he went to the people. That's the first reason he was a faithful steward of the gospel. The second is this. He presented the gospel in word and deed. He, he made it real to the people by, by speaking it and by living it among them in word and in deed. He spoke it to them. He lived it among them. Paul twice says uh, that the Colossians heard the gospel. It also says they understood it. It says they learned it from Epaphras. So number one, he went to the people. Number two, <laughs> he presented it to them in word and deed. And then thirdly, he trusted. He trusted that God would multiply his efforts. Otherwise, why would he have gone there? And, and spent time teaching and living among them. He wouldn't have gone to the people of Colossae and presented the gospel if he didn't believe that God would multiply his efforts. Epaphras knew what Paul and the early church knew and what the faithful people in your life who brought the gospel to you knew. 
which is that when we receive the gospel, we take on the responsibility of stewarding it faithfully. God multiplies the effect of the gospel and people's lives are changed. 2 Corinthians 9.10 that we read says this. It says the same thing this way. He supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. In other words, God, who supplies seed and bread, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. God is a self-giving God. He's in the business of propagating his own goodness and giving himself away to provide for others. That's who God is. He's a good God who just gives himself away. And so he blesses us so we can do the same. We talked a lot about that last week. But we are blessed for multiplication. He will supply, he will multiply our efforts, giving us more and more harvest of righteousness. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. Paul says the same sort of thing this way. We're going to spend just a couple minutes here. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 to 9. This is Paul reminding the Corinthians how they came to hear of the gospel in the first place. He says, what then is Apollos? Who is Paul? What is Paul? What are we? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything other than being faithful to plant and to water. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything special because God's the one who makes the growth happen. Just be faithful to plant and water. Verse 8, he who plants and he who waters are one, meaning we're on the same team, Apollos and Paul. And each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. Look at that phrase right there. We are God's fellow workers when we are faithful to plant and to water. We work alongside God's Spirit when we plant and when we water. When we are sowing the seed of the gospel, we are coming alongside God who gives the growth. But you've got to be planting. You've got to be watering in order to be a fellow worker. Many of us are much more comfortable to sit in the farmhouse while others are out in the field thinking that's what we're created for. No. Fellow workers are those who are in the fields planting and watering and harvesting. Then you are a fellow worker with the Lord doing what you're created to do. God will multiply the harvest and people will grow. You see, we are in, the church is in, the people growing business. This is what we do. We grow people. We're about the forward movement of the gospel, trusting that God will multiply our efforts. Just think about Epaphras again for a second. Here's what I want us to see today. <laughs> Some guy we've never met, of course, named Epaphras, trusted that God would multiply his efforts and make the gospel grow. Because he had the courage to say, I'm going to take the gospel to the people of my hometown. 
And we're reading about him today as a faithful steward of God's call. That's what faithful stewards of the gospel do. Faithful stewards of the gospel, they go to people, they present the good news in word and deed, and they trust God to bring the growth. It's really quite simple. You needn't worry about the nooks and crannies of all the programming of that. You can figure a lot of that out as you're going. Go to people, present the gospel in word and deed, and trust God to multiply. It really is that simple. We will continue to be a people and a church that says, this is why we were created. This is how satisfaction and peace and contentment and joy are found in being multipliers. See, please, please, let us not get lazy and just assume that somebody else is going to always fill up the water pitcher. I've put in my time. i got a lot to get to. I don't want to sacrifice more. I don't have any more margin. The truth of the matter for every one of us is that every one of us has exactly the same amount of time and margin to do the things we value. If we value the forward movement of the gospel, and we trust that God will multiply our efforts, we will have the time and margin required to be God's fellow workers. To be Epaphras to our community. The sad truth for most self-professed followers of Jesus in our culture today is that they do not actually value the forward movement of the gospel. Because the first step of the courage to try anything is rarely taken. Do not be content to take from God's goodness and His blessing and not give it to someone else. That is a perversion of the gospel to hoard it for our selfish security and our worldly safety. Paul wrote letters to churches to spread the gospel. He made journeys to remote lands to spread the gospel. He underwent shipwrecks and multiple beatings and great personal physical suffering for the sake of spreading the gospel. He asked existing churches to give him money to fund the work. He saw himself as the multiplier of the gospel. He calls himself, in Colossians 1, verse 25, same chapter we've studied here today, he calls himself a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me, he says, for you. For the purpose of making the word of God fully known. Listen to that, Colossians 1, 25. It's a great verse. He calls himself a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. He understood that the forward movement of the gospel depends on keeping the water pitcher filled. He kept the pitcher filled for the next person. Epaphras kept the pitcher filled for the next person. Uh, the people in your life 
who showed you Jesus, who went to you, who lived it for you and with you and told you about it, from whom you learned it, filled up the water pitcher. It's the same for us. Faithful people steward that responsibility as if lives depend on it. Let's pray, friends. Lord, simply put, we ask for courage to say yes to going and living the gospel. Trusting that you will multiply our efforts. We thank you for the example of those who have gone before. Lord, we thank you today for some guy we've never met named Epaphras. who was faithful to say yes to your call of coming alongside you as a fellow worker to plant and to water. Lord, we're grateful that the faithfulness of those who have gone before us, those on whose shoulders we stand, is something we can tap into. Give us the courage and strength, Lord, to continue to live lives so those uh, witnesses, the faithful cloud of witnesses who have gone before would see who we are and what we're doing. That we're stewarding the gift of grace given to us in Your Son, Jesus. That we're stewarding the Gospel well. Lord, make of us a part of that faithful cloud of witnesses who can cheer on those coming after us, supporting the work so that um, Your goodness and glory would be made known. Father, make us faithful as You are faithful to us. We know our efforts will never be perfect. We know that uh, the mechanics and the ins and outs sometimes induce fear because we're not sure what the next step is. But Lord, we ask for courage. We ask for faithfulness to go to people to present the gospel in word and deed, trusting that you will multiply our efforts. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. If, uh, if you're sitting there wanting to be a part of God's work in the world, but sort of wondering how, <laughs> uh, feeling like, Okay, how do I go to people? What does it mean to present the gospel in word and deed? And how do I trust God to multiply it? 